Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Next Fan Podcast. I'm joined today with my amazing co-host, McGuire Munson. McGuire, I like the red. You look good in it. It's my go-to podcast shirt. I like it. I like it. It's a, it is a common theme, huh? It has been over the course of the time of doing these podcasts, yes. Yeah, McGuire, are you excited about our special guest today? I'm extremely excited. I am I, always excited I about special guests. I don't know guests. anything about soccer, but I have heard the name Marys before. Okay. I'm okay. excited about it. So you want to go ahead and introduce him? I think you kind of just did. Yeah, Marys, uh, ex-professional goalie uh, with the LA Galaxy and New England Revolution. Um, also a college athlete as well, UCLA Bruin, go Bruins, national yeah. champion, 1997, yeah. and I think most importantly, one of our board of advisors. So Matt, welcome to the podcast. Okay. We're honored to have you here. Please stop, so. <laughs> So yeah, as he said, you know, ex-professional goalkeeper, you were a Bruin, um, you had a couple of caps with the U.S. Men's National Team, and you also coached throughout um, the MLS. Quite the pedigree, quite the uh, quite the resume, definitely a lot bigger than anyone else we've had on the podcast. Um, so we just kind of want to know, what was the highlight of your playing career? You know, super broad question right off the bat, your number one moment in your long playing career. Wow, yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um... It, it is funny and interesting going back and looking uh, at the career and, and now being done and saying, OK, what, you know, what I did and when you look at it all. And um, yeah, I've been very fortunate to have kind of grown up uh, in soccer here in the United States and, and soccer in the United States has grown kind of along with it. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing to look back in the 80s and, and kind of the the time that I was growing up and how soccer was viewed here in the United States to where we are today and and how far it's come. And uh, I'd like to say I had a little hand in in some of that. But uh, to come around and answer your question, I'd say, you know, my uh, the national championship that we won in college uh, was was probably the highlight of of kind of my soccer playing career. I, uh, you know, when when you're in college and and you're going through uh, everything and and growing up and, and to be a a young adult, um, you know, those are super influential people that, that you're around. And when you're on a team really shapes your life, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I was fortunate enough to win it with some of my best friends and, and still some of my great friends that I, I have today. So, uh, doing that and knowing that you walk off the field in your last game ever, uh, in, in college and, and you won the national championship was, was pretty fun. Yeah. That's gotta be a unique feeling. Most people don't get to enjoy. Yeah. And you briefly touched on it, but what do you think the next steps are for the United States in soccer and growing the game? Well, I think, you know, you look at how far the MLS has come. Um, when I was, uh, in, in 1998, my first rookie year, uh, in the league was the league's third year overall. So, you know, now it's 20 plus years going and, it's come a long way. Back in the day, I my first contract was for twenty four thousand dollars, and I played for the whole year for twenty four thousand dollars. And you know, guys are making millions of dollars now. Uh, Americans are making millions of dollars playing it. So it's uh, you see how far it comes. A lot of young players are now playing in the MLS and then going over to Europe and and growing a little bit more in that regard. And we have a ton of guys playing in the Champions League and and playing at super high levels over in Europe. So Yeah, they're um, they're part of the pitch to get it to be called soccer full time. Not not football. It's it's called soccer. Well, I've heard uh, that the World Cup game against England, that that, that is on the line to see yeah. what, what we have to call it. Naming rights for the uh, professional sport. We'll just call it that. We'll call it the professional sport until November, uh, I think it's November 25th or something yeah. like that. 
definitely circled on my calendar. But uh, you, you said that you were in the MLS's third year of yes. starting. Yep. So I have a question because with Twitter, you know, we always go find these funny old clips. Were you ever part of a goalie throwout or the goalie shootout battles? Or was that uh, a little the, bit the farther? The goalkeeper wars. The goalkeeper wars, right. yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I wasn't. I know that they only did that, I think, for one year. Oh, okay. In, was it just one year? Uh, one or two years in the uh, All-Star game. And so I wasn't. I was a backup at the time, but I would have loved to have, have done that. They look. Yeah. Did you like train for that, or you would like if you would go to like goalkeeper camps? Uh-huh. Uh huh. We've actually they've they've started to do some now uh, and just have kind of goalie war tournaments. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, it's for some of these younger kids. So I actually well the the part of I think my career and an interesting fact is that I. I didn't start playing goalkeeper until my sophomore year of high school. Okay. So I was a forward all up until then, and then uh, I went to Santa Margarita High School. Go Eagles. Yeah, and when I was there, there was only three classes. It was so, you know, I was the third graduating class of Santa Margarita. Oh, okay. uh, We didn't. Our, our, we had a great soccer team, and we, you know, our, our, we needed a, a goalkeeper, and so I had played both forward and goalkeeper, and uh, I thought that's awesome. I thought kind of having a chance to shine as a goalie would help me get a, a college scholarship, and and so which it ultimately did. It did, and worked out, and you know, I guess the rest is history. Yeah, wow, that's really really cool. You know, especially making the jump to that position at such a late age and still being able to excel in it and eventually go play professionally is really, really awesome. Yeah, so it, it helped with my, my foot skills and ability to kick a ball. So, you know, in those situations there, being able to throw it or kick it or drop kick it, I mean, it, it would have been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. And then when you did go to UCLA, what were the other schools in the mix there? Or was it strictly UCLA? Um, yeah, well, and I remember I had... Uh, wrote a letter to Portland and they told me no um, there was Cal State Fullerton was around St. Louis but kind of when UCLA came calling it was like wow you know I I personally didn't ever think of, of being at that level and um, it was just amazing to go into that that situation in that locker room where you've got a lot of guys playing on youth national team yeah and I never was part of that growing up or the ODP or anything like that um, so you, you get into that situation, but I was there for five years, redshirted my first year, and and the only real I played a little bit my redshirt freshman year, sophomore year, uh, and then I played my fifth year. So I, I really didn't play in all five years. I only got to play uh, for my my senior year, my fifth year. So, but like you said, you know, you made all these best friends, and you got to go home a national champion. I'm sure you wouldn't really trade it for a thing. And no, and and that's again, that's the you know the determination and and knowing you know it's a little different these days with the transfer portal and and kind of how things go. But absolutely, biding your time, you know, and maturing both on and off the field. You know, I think that was a big part of it. And and knowing that, you know, it, it was the last chance so to really, you know, shine. Yeah. I think the craziest thing I took away from that is uh, how different recruiting is nowadays. He, he had to write a letter. <laughs> I don't think we've had any athlete on our podcast yet that has ever even written a letter, for, the, yeah, for that matter of fact, especially not to a college. But. Maybe an email. Yeah, maybe an email, but that that might be even pressing it and nowadays. Go to the library and use the Dewey Decimal System too. I couldn't even tell you what that is. <laughs> no, nope. ten guesses, I wouldn't even be close. That's amazing. 
so you also talk about, you know, these getting to UCLA and these kids being part of the U.S. national team. And you had had the opportunity to represent them a little bit. Um, what is that like compared to, you know, representing the Columbus, uh, the New England Revolution or the L.A. Galaxy? I don't know where Columbus came from. Oh, oh coach. Yeah, coach. Um, but, you know, just representing your country, how different is that? It, it's a whole new level of, you know, wow, this is what I'm playing for. You know, it's yeah. not just a city or a town. It's that I'm playing for this whole country. What is that like? Yeah, I think it's as any young soccer player or footballer's um, dream is is to represent your country and, mm-hmm. and play in a World Cup. So once you kind of get up to the professional level and you get into that chance to now be selected, because it's a constant, ever-changing pool of players. So yeah. the, you, you can make it into one camp and not make it into another, and it depends on how you're playing with your, your club team. So... To be at that level and to come into a couple camps and, and to eventually play in a couple in, in two games uh, was you know an amazing highlight of, of my career and it didn't happen until I was over thirty years old so again a late late kind of start in in my professional career too uh, but to be able to represent your country there's there's no greater feeling and uh, to be able to do that playing and then also coaching uh, you know it's it's an amazing. Uh, feat and accomplishment absolutely yeah. you're at the, the highest highest you know one percent level and, yeah and you're you're competing against everybody else around the world and so the the nationalistic pride and and the pride in and being an american and and go usa uh there's you know for me there's nothing greater no yeah it is absolutely awesome 100 percent. and then being able to play and coach you've had to have been around some pretty amazing athletes who's the best one you played with against or co- were able to coach just seen on the field where they were a step above everybody else where you're like this you know kid is unbelievable yeah well there's you know in terms of athletic ability there's you know quite a few of them that are out there but um when I was just coaching with the U.S. men's national team, Anthony Robinson. Who's, oh, he uh, is unbelievable. But the guy is an, an amazing athlete, like just can run for days, can kind of do a standing backflip or just, you know, crazy athletic. Uh, but in terms of kind of players, like in terms of guys that you would just blow your mind and they were always a step or two ahead of everybody else. Uh, when I was on the Galaxy, we had this little guy, Mauricio Cienfuegos, and he is probably five foot five, five foot four on a good day, uh, but could run all around the field and right foot, left foot didn't matter, uh, and would just dribble around you. And he was unbelievable. And I was lucky enough, um, you know, when I was going through the Galaxy in the beginning, he would always take penalty kicks on Fridays before the Saturday game and he'd take five of them and he'd, he could go either way up middle down left right and so you always had to kind of and were you wait. always defending all five of those yeah because I was the backup goalie so then you know you'd have to take all the extra shots and, and do all that stuff so it, it was just great to be able to watch him and learn and, and years after year you get a little bit better and you start to be able to save a couple of them and so we would juggle the ball together little you know small almost like a tennis ball size and, and juggle with each other so just kind of being around him and, and he was just on a on a different level than than kind of other other players were and, and another one was uh steve ralston uh american guy that you know a lot of guys don't even know or, <laughs> or haven't heard of but in practice with the revolution he was always two steps or two passes ahead of everybody else just and, his thinking was above yeah, everyone else's and, level. And his skill level and, and everything else but just a, a real selfless player and 
really made everybody else around him better. Uh, and w- it was just a, a great teammate. Yeah. So that is one of the questions we like to ask all our athletes because they always, you know, generate great responses. Another uh, little segment we like to do with all our athletes is ask them a debate question. Mm. So the question we have mustered up for you is who will go down out of people who have represented the U.S. men's national team so far in, you know, the Federation's (laughs) history, who will go down as the GOAT of U.S. men's national team soccer? It's a debate. It is. And, it's a huge you one. Know, there's a lot of uh, players out there, and, the, and you know, there's a lot of players in different positions that are out there. Mm-hmm. But because um, when you think U.S. men's national soccer, I feel like there's always three names that come to mind. It's it's Tim, at least for our generation, Tim Howard, Clint Dempsey, and Landon Donovan. And I feel like that's always the big three that come to our mind. And now you know Christian Pulisic is doing amazing things in Europe, and you know has won a Champions League and got the U.S. back to the World Cup. So his name is starting to get thrown into that mix. But you're someone who's been a part of the team, coach for the team, so we're curious to hear your answer. Yeah, and you know, I was fortunate enough to play uh, with the Revolution on the Revolution with Clint Dempsey, and and I think he, you know, has done so much, uh, and 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 really has put the United States kind of on the map. But I think you could say that about Tim Howard. I think you could say that about Landon Donovan. So, um, you know, for me, it's it's Clint Dempsey. Um, but the other two have done, you know, just as much and, you know, other people might have a, a different opinion, but you know, what the, the, when Clint got to the revolution, you could tell that it was a stepping stone to other things. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a rookie, he preseason, you know, any kind of foot race, he won them all and any kind of endurance race, anything we were doing that way, he would, he would be finishing the top of that too. And. Um, just you could tell they had a he had a hunger to do more, and once he got over to Europe and, and started playing for Fulham and Tottenham over there, and then coming back with the Sounders, um, just a, a great career and and you know a guy that was really really creative and and really you know played with a chip on his shoulder, and I think that is something that you know we need more of, and, and guys that are willing to go out there and and, and fight for for everything. Yeah. Not just the guys that don't think you just got handed to them. Oh, yeah, I'm on the U.S. men's national team because I'm good. It's like, well, you got to fight and earn it. I mean, look what happened last qualifying time, you know, last World Cup, and they didn't get in. But, you know, I'm happy to watch them back in uh, in guitar in the winter, which is really weird. Uh, I'm not too fond of a winter World Cup, but, you know. Thanksgiving, Turkey, and the World Cup. What goes better, right? (laughs) Something that never happens. But uh, moving on from that, you have a very, very inspiring story that I'm sure you have told many, many times. But uh, you were actually at the Boston Marathon the year the Boston bombing happened. Um, And I kind of want you to just have the opportunity now to dive into that story and, you know, tell the people who haven't heard that um, about that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for our family, um, my wife was running uh, the Boston Marathon for charity for the uh, Patriot Foundation. And we had my in-laws and and family members all out there to support her on on that day. And and we were at the site of the first bomb going off. Uh, My father-in-law was one of the people that was injured. He had a piece of shrapnel go through his, I think it was his, right or left leg so it went through his I believe it's his right leg and all the way through and then bed into his other leg and so he was you know on the on the ground as I kind of came back and he was bleeding and from where we were you could kind of tell that that uh you know that blood that was on the street was coming from him and uh so I and the craziest part of the story is the belt that I had on saved his life 
and we were leaving that day to come to the marathon and I went back in and put this belt on uh, <laughs> because my shorts were it gives me chills that yeah, is ooh. it was they were kind of falling down a little bit and I said you know I gotta throw this one on and I put on a belt that I normally don't wear all the time and it was had the the teeth and it was a kind of a web belt that you could make really small or really big but once you closed it it was done you mm-hmm. know and so I put that uh you know over the wound and 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 put it as tight as I could and and you know waited with them until the uh, paramedics and everything you know came in and took them away and the the amazing thing about that and um you know, big shout out to the Boston Marathon and, and the, the doctors and everybody there. Anybody that made it to the hospital survived. Yeah. And my father-in-law, John, was the, the oldest one that survived and the one that was there the longest. He had, you know, 30 different surgeries to, to clean out his wounds. Um, they put in, what did they say, two basically body, f- um, you know, of blood because he kept, you know, going through it but they put in you know two bodies worth of blood through him and eventually stabilized him and he fought his way to to staying with us and and that was, was amazing a, a long um a long time there in 2013 and um you know our story has a silver lining and we became obviously really close with a lot of the other families and people that had gone through it and uh, we got over to Spalding Rehabilitation Center in, in Boston, and they did an, an amazing job there, uh, as, lo- as well as, uh, you know, uh, BMC, uh, Boston Medical Center, um, over there. They're just amazing doctors and, and amazing people. So, yeah. It was, yeah, that, uh, is, that is quite the story. I mean, I remember that being one of the first, his, like, that was, you know, I was, I think, around 12 years old, and I remember that being really the first historical thing to happen during my lifetime that I really remember and it's just crazy to hear you know and something as simple as going back to like the belt it's like you know who's to even think about what happens you know so it's crazy that is a very very inspiring story and and, you know this is we talk about sports on this but even stories like that just really you know they're emotional it's it's a crazy crazy story and you know it's I'm sure that kind of trumps anything you ever did on a soccer field you know it's it's a completely different unique experience yeah. um well there's a, actually um the mls did a, a really good piece on it and i had said this kind of to myself when i was thinking of it all and it truly was my greatest save yeah <laughs> and, no. uh, and and sports and life and there's a lot of connections through it all and and i think because of my time in sports and and you know, you're, you're out on the field and you're reacting and that's kind of how it was that day. And, uh, and I reacted and reacted in the right way and, and things worked out. So, yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll link the YouTube video to that story down below. Cause I've seen it. I remember butcher showed us it and it was a, an amazing piece an amazing story. So, you know, like you said, the greatest save you can ever make. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, moving on from that onto a little bit of a, a little bit of a different topic. We're going to go back into the sports world. Um, NIL has completely changed the game of, uh, college sports it has completely transformed it and um you know that's at next fan what we're trying to do we're trying to help all athletes because right now you know we're only seeing the top end of athletes get these massive deals you know drive these insane cars and stuff like that um but as someone who played college sports when this was not a thing how do you feel that you know nil has changed the game well it's it's giving uh athletes and and especially in, in the college game um 
you know, it's giving them the opportunity to to make some money off of their name and image likeness. You mm-hmm. know, you, for me, the the biggest one is a, a guy like Johnny Manziel, who you know didn't necessarily have the greatest professional career, and did really really well in college, and he had that kind of fifteen minutes in order to kind of capitalize on that, and and this gives these players a chance to do that. You know, they're. They're selling Texas A&M number two shirts at, on on NCAA.com and making 150 bucks on all of those. And <laughs> Can't blame them. Everybody knows who the, who that player is, and and yeah, it's it's hard to say. And uh, this will be an, an interesting time here. <laughs> so we will, uh, you know, see in these next few years of how it all plays out. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity. Uh, for some of these uh, athletes to to do stuff and, and to be in, inventive and it's a whole new playing field so uh, there'll be some some great opportunities out there for people and and uh, especially for fans and, and people that love these universities to get a, a, a even more behind the scenes look as to what it is to be a student athlete and yeah absolutely you know once you get up to that you know division one college or kind of anything uh, playing sports in college, to do that with the academics and, and everything else, it's it's an, another job. So no, absolutely, you really have to. Our, our coach in, at UCLA, Ziggy Schmidt, uh, said you you have a social life, you have your your sport, and then and then you have a, a, academics, and you mm-hmm. can pick two of three of them. So wow, that's I've never looked at it that way. That's you, a really you good really point. You really got to say, okay, well, and and most of the time, you're you're social life gets kind of put on the back burner yeah you have a chance to play it at the highest level there at that that age and and play for a university and hopefully you can put trophies in there because that stays with it forever yeah no absolutely unless you're johnny menzo i think he had a little bit of a social life in college so (laughs) you can see he might put academics on the back he was uh he was doing he was doing nil before nil was a thing you know selling uh selling some signed stuff stuff and that 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 stuff has always been there and that stuff is always you know through the the test of time and you go back into the 70s and 80s and um, you know, guys drive around certain cars, and you're like, "Wow, where'd you get that?" No, oh, I have a, a, a donor, you know, or I worked my this job in the summer, and uh, you know, you go into a room much like this, and you sit around, and you get a paycheck at the end of it, and you know, that stuff did happen, and and now it's just kind of putting it all on the table. Do any of those stories kind of come to mind to you of guys who you'd see and you're like, "Wait a second, like what? What's you know?" Uh, you just hear, you know, you hear the hear stories, and, yeah, and things happen, but yeah. Any uh, anyone at UCLA that you'd hear about, just no one in particular, and no names need to be dropped. But like, there's some <laughs> at UCLA at the time. That would... yeah, there's there's always things that are there, and and you know you UCLA is, runs a great program, and you know they I don't think that they've been brought up on on anything like USC. Has. Yeah, I was gonna say they definitely don't have that shady back. They didn't give Reggie Bush a, a house or anything like that. No, no not at all. Um, do you think NIL would have changed your career at all? Um. I don't know if it changed my career. It's it just, it's super interesting because of the internet and because of social media and because, you know, everybody has their own platform. So everybody can, can have a voice now. Uh, it's just changed a lot. You know, there really wasn't that much stuff out there. And, and when you did it, it would have to kind of come through the, the normal kind of channels of, of media and print and, you know, doing well in games. But you would see it as, as maybe, you know, a, a freshman or a sophomore that comes and makes a big splash, uh, you know, in, the, in a, no matter what, if it's a division one, two or three, 
you know, there's opportunities that are out there. And, and, you know, you go to some of these smaller towns that are just college towns and, you know, the, the local furniture stores, it's huge fans of, you know, the men's soccer team and yeah. they want to give everybody, you know, something and to show their support. So it's a way of doing it that way and, and trying to hopefully keep it all up on, on top of the table instead of all this stuff under the table. Yeah. Uh, and so, as you know, here at Next Fan, we have fan connections and, you know, our fans can pay for things from our athletes that, you know, a unique experience such as a video, a customized video. Um, what's another example? Uh, a breakdown of your training routine, a playlist, anything anything that is uh, able to be used for your name, image, and likeness. Yeah. So if you were an athlete today at UCLA, what would your dream fan connection be? Like, what would you want to be able to give back to your fans? Or what would you want, you know, a crazy super donor fan to be able to give to you? You know, obviously everyone wants million dollars or a you know mercedes s class like these guys at sc are getting but you know what would your dream uh fan connection or nil deal be well i mean it's money for nothing and the chicks are free right (laughs) maybe you guys don't even know that song it's so old but no i i think um you know it would be to go to to see some of these amazing games with with fans and and sit and talk with them and and have them pick your brain as to what you see shoot in, the shit back and forth in in this or or different you know stories that you have at either at the stadium that you've played in or or you know the team that you're playing against or, or kind of anything like that but yeah spending know, I, time with fans yeah but i think too you know there's a lot of opportunity to take training methods or drills that you do or, or things that you've done or used to get better, um, you know, at practice and in order to show kind of either your fans or younger kids that are growing up kind of, okay, well, you know, I grew up down in Orange County in, in Southern California and guess what? You live in Southern California too. And so I went to this high school. Oh, I'm going to a local high school just like that. And oh, I went to UCLA and oh, now I'm going to UCLA or USC. And those all connections and those paths are there. And, and young kids, all they need is that dream to say, hey, you know, I want to someday win a national championship. And, you know, people have done it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so showing those those fans and showing those uh, young athletes different ways that you've done it. And obviously that's all changed and it evolves. So yeah, it's probably going to continue to. Mm-hmm. And, and putting that stuff out there so, so young fans and, and young players can see what's made you successful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Matt, we thank you so much for your time. It was awesome having you out here. Uh, we look forward to maybe having having you out again, tell some more stories. Um, be sure to follow Matt on Instagram. We will have him tagged down below. Be sure to follow all our socials as well. I don't know why I'm looking at the camera. It's turned off. But, Matt, thank you so much for your time, and thank you guys all for listening. Be sure to share with all your friends and look out for the next episode. Thank you, guys.